Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome into Agriculture of America, AOA, here today. Great to have you along for the conversation as we have plenty to take a look at on today's show. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Coming up, we're going to talk what's happening in the equipment and auction market. Casey Seymour with Moving Iron LLC is going to be joining us here in segment two today for a conversation. After the bottom of the hour, we're going to take a look at the broader economy and get some thoughts from David Beckworth, economist at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. Uh, Where is your money going that's not tied up in ag investments? We're going to talk about that with David later on here in segment three. And then at the end of the show, there is a lot of news out there uh, in the agriculture world today. USDA predicting a large decline in farm incomes. Also, a federal judge vacating dicamba registrations. We're going to talk about those things and more coming up here later in the show today on AOA. However, we want to start with the markets. Coming up here on Thursday will be the release of the February World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report. And that is something that's going to Add a little bit of fuel into these markets potentially here at the end of the week. Joining us for conversation, Jacob Burks, partner at agmarket.net, is with us. Jacob, good to catch up with you, my friend. And uh, always a, a fun day when you throw in a WASDI report, isn't it? Yeah, there's uh, there's nothing like getting that uh, monthly uh, you know, snapshot of where the USDA thinks we'll be here uh, come at the end of the marketing season. So it's a it's a good reminder of where we're at. Uh, I think that it uh, has the opportunity to uh, to, to make the, the market move just a little bit, probably more so uh, not domestically, but looking at the global aspects. Yeah, the South American numbers, I think, are going to be one of the biggest things traders are taking a look at. Soybeans uh, trading a bit higher ahead of the report Thursday uh, as Conab came out with their numbers uh, overnight. They pegged Brazil's soybean crop 149.4 million metric tons. That's down from 155.3 the previous month. USDA last month had the crop at 157. I I think a lot of folks don't expect USDA to make that big of a cut, but I think still a lot of folks are thinking USDA is going to make some sort of downward revision to the Brazil soybean estimate, right, Jacob? Uh, I think, yeah, I think the, the USDA has to come in here and, and just taking a look at the adverse weather market. I mean, you still have a very wide range of uh, private analysts, uh, even down there, that uh, are seeing a very, very wide, unusually wide uh, guesstimate of, of where they're coming in with that production. I think that right now, when you see the the, the CONAB come in and take another what, uh, four million metric ton off, nearly uh, that that we're assuming that the USDA will kind of follow the same suit, probably go down to where they were last month in soybeans. Well, thinking about this overall environment, and uh, you know, you and I talked about this a little bit too uh, earlier this week uh, when we were at the Ag Market Dynamic Conference in Nashville, and I know you guys talked with a lot of farmers at that conference about farming for profit, not price. A lot of the weight in grains, especially, has gone to the bearish side of the boat, so to speak. March corn's been setting new contract lows here this week. So uh, talk to me about risk management in an environment like this where everything just feels so bearish. And, and give us some thoughts on that aspect of, you know, why should we why we should farm for profit and not an exact price, Jacob? 
Well, I think the one thing that that producers get locked up into is, you know, getting that higher price, getting the higher price and uh, without taking a look at where profitability is. And we just you know, really encourage guys to look at uh, you know, in a downward market as you've made some sales earlier, uh, your, di your your dynamic break even will change. Uh, and and it's, it's hard to, to make sales as the market goes down. It's just human nature. And I think if you take a look at at what your cost of production does as you make sales higher, you're, you got to realize that that cost of production is not the same anymore. And, and I think that, uh, you know, keeping a, an eye on profitability, sometimes the price will change quite a bit, but maybe your profitability doesn't change as much. And it gives you a little bit more encouragement to go ahead and pull the trigger on a sell in a lower market. Very, very true. Let's talk livestock a little bit, Jacob. I know you are a, a livestock guy, cattle hogs, uh, cattle trade on Thursday is showing some good strength while hogs are mixed. It looked like weekly export sales for both beef and pork were pretty good. Uh, and I know that in terms of this cattle market right now, it feels like there's a little more optimism on the cattle side here as of late, isn't there, Jacob? As of the last two hours, there's a lot more optimism in the cattle market. <laughs> uh, you're up two dollars and fifty cents in April fats right now. Uh, you're up three dollars and forty cents in the in the March feeder cattle as we speak, and. Yeah, this this optimism comes from uh, the cattle inventory numbers. I mean, we saw a big cold snap that as as we're kind of chewing through some of these uh, fall placement numbers were that were bigger. Uh, you had a cold snap that came through and and, and pulled weights back, uh, put a lot of pressure on the on the packers uh, margin numbers, and uh, we just haven't fallen apart in the economy, and we're still buying beef. I mean, we're looking at export sales this morning that were decent. Another good uh, another good week of uh, pushing. You know, beef and pork both out, out, outside our borders. And I think if that continues, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to you know, continued prices uh, that, that are going to stay strong. I mean, we, you know, stock markets have been, you know, even strong. You, you, you're just, you're seeing people still spend their disposable income, uh, you know, as the box beef prices have come up back up here to three, 300 again. I know in terms of uh, feeder cattle at auction, I mean, things are still looking good there. I'm looking at this week's cash trade. It's still pretty slow as of Thursday morning. Have to think uh, that, that some of this cash market in terms of cattle's got to pick up here towards the end of the week, right, Jacob? Uh, yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see some numbers come out today, uh, you know, of some sales being made right now uh, with, the, with the way the market's moved higher again. Uh, but, you know, what, we had 3 or $4 higher yesterday or last week. Uh, and, and the rumors of some small sales here a little bit uh, this you know this this week earlier, I think that cash will you know if if you look at sell barn movement uh, of feeder cattle and, and these replacements and, and potential uh, pasture conditions being so much better out there, if you look at some of these drought monitors and and, and how that's changed year over year, uh, there's just you know a lot of optimism uh, uh, for these guys getting getting cattle on uh, uh, on the pastures out there this earlier spring and the and the sell barns have really showed that. Uh, this fat cattle movement, uh, yeah, it's just what these guys are willing to pay. The the, the weights have, have started to come back up, but we saw weights back down. It just made them become a lot more current in what they're they're you're having to go out there and buy. So the the fundamentals are definitely there for this rally to continue. Well, in terms of the uh, hog market, uh, kind of quiet here today. It looks like, and it feels like we found a decent base here, but have a, a tough time pushing through it. Uh, what's your thoughts on the hog trade, real quick? Well, I, th I think that, you know, the momentum right now is a little bit lower. I think we added a little bit too much too early uh, uh, to this move higher. Uh, they just are having a hard time technically getting their, keeping their feet, uh, you know, on some solid footing. Uh, and, and, you know, again, we're seeing lower lows, uh, lower highs every day. I think right now the bear market has just gotten it on, on the technical side of it. 
Well, Jacob, great thoughts. And I know if folks want to reach out to you and the team there at agmarket.net, get some advice, take a look at your intel. I know they can find phone numbers and more all very easily on the website, right, Jacob? Yeah, just take a look at us, agmarket.net. You can get all of our info there and uh, check us out individually on the About Us page. Definitely, definitely. Good stuff as always. Appreciate the time. Jacob Burks with agmarket.net. Jacob, thanks so much. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you again real soon. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Appreciate it. All right. Coming up next here on AOA, we are going to slide from the commodity and livestock markets to what's happening in the auction and equipment market. Casey Seymour with Moving Iron LLC. He is going to join us for a look at what is hot and what's not in the auction and equipment space. That's coming up next here on AOA, Agriculture of America. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. When news happens in agriculture or when the markets are moving, we've got you covered as your trusted voice in agriculture. The team at the American Ag Network has the knowledge and experience to keep you informed on the issues impacting farmers and ranchers. We've got you covered on air, online, and on demand. Find the American Ag Network on your favorite social media platforms and also follow the American Ag Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are the American Ag Network. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Get the latest bonus interviews, exclusive content, and more with the American Ag Today podcast. Just search for American Ag Today and give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Victory over cancer is in front of us. Right now, cancer research is saving lives. Cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to new discoveries and new treatments. And ultimately, one day, victory over cancer. Right now, one out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. The V Foundation has the skill, the speed, and the strength to achieve victory over cancer. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. 
Learn more at v.org. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA as we take a look at what is happening in the equipment market and the auction market and more. Joining us for a conversation, happy to have him back on the program with us, Casey Seymour with Moving Iron LLC. Casey, thanks for joining us today. And uh, I know your your world travels have got you over in uh, the eastern part of Nebraska today. So I uh, appreciate you making the time to join us while you're on the road. Uh, always, always my pleasure, Jesse. Thanks for having me on, man. Let's talk what's happening in the uh, equipment market right now. And uh, row crop tractors sounds like a, a big talking point right now. At least uh, that's something you have uh, pointed to that is an area we need to keep an eye on, it sounds like. Get me up to speed. What's going on with row crop tractors right now? Yeah, you know, row crop tractors, that's a, that's a, that's a funny thing. So coming out of COVID, you had, we had a lot of delays and stuff getting out of factories. And it seems like factors have pretty much caught that up in 23 it almost feels like they delivered two and a half years worth of equipment in one year kind of felt like uh as things started to kind of come in all at one time and what we're seeing now on the row crop tractor side especially is that there were a lot of those orders placed in you know 21 22 23 and we're seeing those start to come back in now um it's not necessarily a bad thing that there's that that of what happened there but the what's but the bad part of it is that they all came at one time. So supply and demand, you know how that looks. There's a lot of supply out there right now. And if you take a look at how things are headed out uh, right now um, and looking at some of the auction market stuff, there is some uh, some chinks in the armor, a little bit of the uh, of the row crop tractor marketplace. Yeah, and, you know, that happens when there's supply and demand. And when you, ha- you end up with an oversupply, like you said, everything coming at once um, yeah. that's just, that, that's always interesting to watch that when, when something like that impacts a certain market, uh, you know, we've seen it on the, on the grain side, the livestock side, et cetera. So interesting to see that with row crop tractors right now. Uh, what about some other pieces of equipment? I want to talk interest rates more with you here in a second, but outside yeah. of row crop tractors, uh, what else is hot or what's not right now in the equipment and auctions market right now, Casey? You know, oddly enough, if you take a look at what's going on, I mean, every every piece of equipment that's out there gets manufactured right now is is kind of having that same effect, right? Um, but if you look at like pick combines, for example, because this is where we're getting close to some buying decisions being made going into uh, uh, spring harvest here. But as you're looking at combines, um, yeah, there's a lot of combines out there. Yeah, they're really expensive. But if you look at at how the the auction market's holding up and where you where it should be and where it's at um it's doing a lot better than i would have had expected in the combine marketplace just because of a couple things one is the number of machines that are out to and we'll get to this in a little bit but where the interest rates are and how that's driving buying um behavior right now so i as i look at the combine marketplace yeah there's a lot of combines and yeah there's there's some there's some obvious issues there but how those are holding up in the auction marketplace to me is is a lot better than what I anticipated. Caveat to that as well, Casey. I wonder, you know, how many people are going to be making those decisions on, say, combines here ahead of, uh, you know, wheat harvest this spring and things like that. I mean, you know, are they going to be looking at stuff that is lightly used with low hours on it? I know we've just in recent days seen new combines announced from some of the major companies like yeah. Case IH. I think New Holland's got a new one out. So, no one has to wonder if folks going to go 
right for that brand new series that's come off the line, or are they going to look more at, at something that's gently used, Casey? What do you think? Well, you're always going to have the guys that go out and buy new. There's programs out there that that uh, new buyers are a part of that that allow for that to happen. Right now, if you're a comp, if you're looking to buy a combine right now, there's there's a lot of combines out there that are um, or tractors or whatever it is. There's a lot of very low houred stuff out there right now, um, kind of across the spectrum. <clears throat> One thing too, if you're a track buyer um, on comp, on tracks machines, especially if you're looking at some of that stuff, the two track side of it, especially. Um, there's not a lot of those out there because for whatever reason, there was a real issue getting belts uh, from all the manufacturers um, during during that COVID, uh, COVID cycle and those uh, mm-hmm. factory delays that we saw. So, you know, there, there's not a lot of those track machines out there. So if you're in a position where you can do some stuff with your track tractors and those kind of things, there is a little bit of 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 uh, silver lining there on those where you can you could probably come out pretty well on some doing some trading with those. But um you know, I, I think that there's going to be a lot more uh, used buyers come to the table in 24 and buy some of the stuff that's out there. Because, I mean, for the most part, there's lots of opportunities for people to go and get a low hour machine and start looking at, at some of these interest rates that some of these guys are, are throwing around right now that are well below what what the, uh, you know, the, the 8% interest rates that we see. So there, there's some opportunities there to where if you're a used buyer, there's an opportunity to get a, a good, clean, low-hour machine or even some of that mid-range stuff that's, you know, maybe have a few thousand hours on it. We're talking with Casey Seymour from Moving Iron LLC. And Casey, you brought up interest rates, and that's where I wanted to go next a little bit more uh, with you here. Obviously, it's an interesting environment. You kind of alluded to it there already, how some of the differences between that that Fed, that main rate, some of these other rates that are maybe being offered out there from some folks, some dealers, et cetera. So, I mean, and talk about this interest rate environment. Obviously, it's playing a big role in a lot of decision-making right now, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, you can uh, you, you can see some, some used rates out there. I've seen different, you know, Casey, I think we lost you there just a second. You still with us? We've been talking with Casey Seymour from Moving Iron LLC, and I think we just lost him. I know he was uh, on out in eastern Nebraska, and we'll see if we can get his uh, signal fixed here and get him reconnected with us on AOA. We're talking interest rates there and how this interest rate environment is uh, definitely uh, having an impact on things here and a lot of decisions being made in 2024. Casey, you back with us yet? All right. We're still having a little bit of an issue there connecting with him. We'll try to get him reconnected here for the rest of the segment. And uh, again, uh, really an interesting environment. And talking about, uh, Casey mentioned, you know, there's a lot of row crop tractors out there right now and more. And so uh, that is something we are definitely keeping a close eye on. As uh, we talk with Casey Seymour here from Moving Iron LLC. Casey, uh, we'll see if we got you back connected with us. I know you're traveling. Do we got you back yet? All right. Well, we're going to work to get him connected back here for the end of the segment. And, you know, with the interest rates, uh, where things are at, and as Casey was uh, talking about there a little bit, there are some opportunities out there, it sounds like, between used interest rates and more. And really, it just comes back to uh, being, you know, financially. Having having a plan, I think, is where it is. And we've talked about this with folks on the show here before, you know, about this high interest rate environment and more, just how things are are need to be looked at very closely. Let's see if we got Casey back. Casey, you back with us here. 
And we've lost his audio. Must be uh, connection issues where he's at in uh, Eastern Nebraska. So we'll we'll see if we can still get him back here for the rest of the segment. But again, we've been talking with Casey Seymour from Moving Iron LLC, and I know Casey they got a great podcast too that you can listen to and really stay up to date on things in the equipment market and more movingironllc.com is a, a great place uh, to uh, find out information on the moving iron podcast and more and stay up to date with all the work that they do at moving iron llc as uh, again that website movingironllc.com and you know uh, overall just watching how things uh, how things go here over the next couple of months is going to be key for sure let's try again see if we got casey back with us casey you there Yes, I am. There. Sorry. We lost you right as you were talking about the interest rate environment. If you want to pick up that conversation real quick. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. So the interest rate environment right now, if you look at what the manufacturers are doing, even on some large ag pieces of equipment, you start, you see some, some 0%, you know, for 24, 36 month waivers. You start to see some of those kind of come into play on the use side. You're seeing a lot of folks that are doing some, I've seen some 2.9%. I've seen some 4.9%. I've even seen as low as some 0% stuff on uh some some row crop tractors out there being advertised so um there's there being there's some competition out there when you start looking at guys that are trying to get rid of equipment so if you're mm-hmm. if you're in a place to where you're starting to look at hey i want to upgrade something but I'm, the interest rates are kind of scaring me off here a little bit just go talk to your local dealer and see what they have to offer because there's some good opportunities to lock in some similar um interest rates that you saw coming out of you know, 2018, 2019 in that uh, two to 3% range. So do your research to find those, but there's some opportunities to co- to combat some of this interest rate uh, pressure that we're feeling. Casey, real quick, got about 45 seconds, 2024 outlook for you. What's top of mind here as we start the year? Yeah. So I, I'm not as pessimistic as a lot of folks are. I think there's a lot of good things out there that are pushing this way. Um, I think we're going to see some, some rallies in, in the commodity markets late this year that are going to be are going to drive uh, drive prices up a little bit. Um, I'm I'm watching this stuff right here. I think we're going to watch some auction stuff happen uh, late summer, um, or I'm sorry, early summer, late summer, and then back into the fall. That could have uh, some effects on what we see happening in the price of equipment. But overall, I think 24 is going to be a pretty good year for for a lot of folks. Well, I know folks can check out you and the podcast, movingironllc.com. Casey Seymour, thanks for joining us while you're on the road. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it, bud. All right, coming up next, we are going to talk the broader economy. We will have a conversation with David Beckworth on the way next here on AOA Agriculture of America. non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 
800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risfet with this Market Update. Grain and oil seeds are mixed right now. Soybeans are sharply higher while wheats are sharply lower. Corn is caught in the middle around unchanged. USDA is scheduled to release its monthly WASDE crop report at noon Eastern time today. Conab, Brazil's version of our USDA, released its monthly report earlier this morning. There are some significant differences between expectations for USDA and what Conab reported. The market generally trades USDA numbers above Conab numbers. However, they do still hold some relevance. Conab pegged Brazil's soybean crop at 149.4 million metric tons. That is down from 155.3 million the previous month. USDA has put the crop at 157 million last month, and the average trade guess for today's report is for USDA to lower that estimate to 153. is Brazil's customer survey pegged the crop at 150.35 million metric tons, so the CONAB's numbers might be right on the money. USDA probably will not go as low as CONAB today, however, as it is more conservative in making adjustments. It doesn't like to bounce them back higher later if it overshoots them to the downside early. Conab pegged Brazil's total corn crop at 113.7 million metric tons. That's down from 117.6 last month and below USDA's January estimate of 127 million metric tons. The average trade guess for today's USDA estimate is at 124.3 million. Now, the Stonex Brazil customer survey puts the total corn crop at 124.5 million metric tons. That is similar to where USDA was at in January. The biggest difference for Conab is that it expects farmers there to plant 8% less area to winter corn than what the Stonex's customer survey shows, with a modestly lower yield as well. And crude oil prices are about 1% higher currently. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. We are the nation's largest integrated healthcare system, providing life-changing care to over 9 million veterans. Our hands are busy, competent, skilled, healing, helping, and friendly. A place where diverse teams come together hand-in-hand to provide full patient-centered care. Working in state-of-the-art facilities with influential leaders in healthcare, all with a single goal in mind, to help veterans heal, recover, and get their lives back in a place where everyone plays a part and where your efforts are truly appreciated. A place so innovative and forward-thinking that we're rebuilding hands and where even robots lend a hand. Join hands with us. Learn more at vacareers.va.gov. Information America's farmers and ranchers need. AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America. As we continue today's program, we were talking in that last segment how interest rates are affecting the equipment market and more. Well, we want to talk a little bit more about interest rates as a whole. What is going on with the Federal Reserve and the Fed policy? There's been the chatter of maybe two to three rate cuts here this year. Where do things stand in terms of inflation, what the Fed is doing in the overall economy Joining us now for that conversation, he is a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. David Beckworth is with us here today on AOA. David, 
Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate the time. Hope you're doing well. Thank you for having me on. Let's talk just a broad picture here first, thousand foot view. Uh, the Federal Reserve has come out here just with their last meeting. The talk is that the feeling seems like that we're going to see some rate cuts here at some point this year. I know originally folks had thought maybe March we would see that first rate cut. Maybe that's not the case now, I guess. Get us up to speed, if you can, real quick on, on where things stat, stand in terms of interest rates and the Federal Reserve's policy here right now. Yeah, so the markets and most people were expecting the Fed to cut rates by March. And that has been pushed back quite a bit. The, the Federal Reserve at its last meeting, uh, the Fed chair, Jay Powell, they were very clearly kind of trying to push back market expectations. And even since then, we've had several speeches by Fed officials. Just yesterday, uh, Adriana Kugler, who's the new uh, governor, but even Neil Kashkari, a president from the Minneapolis Fed, they've all kind of communicated they're still going to be very cautious moving forward. They, they do expect to cut some point this year, but June would probably be the earliest. And that's where markets, I think, are currently pricing it. And, and even then, that might be too optimistic. And the reason being is that they're still um, very concerned that they want, that inflation will not go all the way down to 2%. So we've come a long ways, as you know. We were at 9% inflation in 2022, reached its peak. It's been coming down rapidly. And, of course, the Fed looks at various measures. They look, there's headline and there's this core measure which strips out energy and food and volatile prices. Um, but no matter where they look, they want to make sure they, they go the last mile and they're worried that the last mile may not be as quick or as easy as the rest of the race has been. So I think they're cautiously waiting for more evidence. They are truly on a trajectory to 2%. Oh, David, I know that uh, the term, you know, soft landing has been thrown around there quite a bit. Uh, it seemed like that was one of the, the hot hot uh, titles to use it throughout 2023 is what the Fed was looking for. In in your view, with the way they've uh, worked their policy here throughout last year and, and into this year, does it feel like that the economy is in a spot to where if they manage this correctly and, and take their time here, we can get a soft landing right now? What do you think? Uh, I think we are on track to get a soft landing. I mean, you know, if something you know, terrible doesn't arise between now and the end of the soft landing. You never know wars, things like that. But in terms of where the the data, where the economy seems to be heading, it looks very much like we're in the middle of a soft landing. So as you know, like the, the job numbers came out for last month, over 300,000 unemployment's low. Again, inflation, inflation is heading down. Um, it, it just seems like all the elements are there if they continue to stay on this trajectory toward a soft landing, which is very surprising. I mean, I was someone who was expecting a recession at some point last year, let alone we're here in the second month of 2024. And so, you know, sometimes it pays to be lucky as much as it does to be smart. And, and I think there are reasons maybe we could talk about why we're going into a soft landing. But the Fed raised rates to you know five to five and a quarter uh, Treasury yields have gone up dramatically too. Most people, including myself, expected this to have more of a of an effect on the economy by now, and it hasn't. Well, David, I, and something too that I, I'd like to ask your thoughts on, you know, as I've been looking at this and doing a little bit of research myself, you know, thinking back to, 
you know, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, the current interest rate environment we're in right now was kind of considered normal back in, you know, the 80s, 90s, right? I mean, it feels like we've kind of gotten used to this 0% interest rate type environment and free money and free capital out there, so to speak. So, I mean, where we're at right now is seems like it's a little more normal. And I think some folks maybe lose sight of that. Would you agree or not? I, I do think historically it looks more normal. And if in fact the economy is is beginning to enter a new phase, I think we, we should maybe come to terms this might be the new normal. So I think the last decade or de decade plus before uh, 2020, so really from about 2008 to 2019, we were in a world with a very low interest rates that had something to do with kind of the hangover effect from that great financial crisis, indebtedness, a lot of, lot of things going on. Some would attribute it to central banks. I just think it was a structure of the economy. But I, I think it's it's fair to say we could be entering a new phase where the economy is more robust, productivity growth is stronger. If the economy is growing on a more sustainable base at a faster pace, rates have to be higher. I mean, that's just that's just the nature of the beast. If, if the return on capital goes up because we have a more robust economy, it's going to bleed into interest rates and rates will be higher and, and they'll have to be higher to keep the economy from overheating. So it may be that we've returned to normal. Now, there's another argument that maybe we, we haven't. Maybe this is some of the leftover fiscal stimulus we received. I mean, households still sit on a lot of cash. Um, households have a lot of equity in their, in their homes still. And maybe it's, it's we're still working through some of the residual from the pandemic. There are other forces out there that existed before 2020, the aging of the planet, demographics, lots of regulations, things that could slow us back down. And in that case, you might go to lower rates. But I hope at least that we are in a world of faster growth and if, and then as a result, higher rates that seem more normal. We're talking with David Beckworth, Senior Research Fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University, talking about the Fed policy and the overall economy. And David, in terms of agriculture and, uh, you know, a highly intensive, you know, capital-based type, you know, arena here with ag and farming, um, your thoughts on how interest rates are playing an effect on our farmers and ranchers. And I'll throw with this too. USDA just this week uh, forecasting net cash farm income will decrease 25.8% in 2024 down to 121.7 billion in inflation adjusted dollars. So you see something like that. I know that's coming off of record uh, net cash farm incomes, but one has to wonder, you know, how much the interest rate environment as a whole is playing a role in agriculture. Can you I mean your thoughts on that a little bit David if you can? Sure. So I'm not an expert by any means on agricultural and, and the, the issues surrounding it, but I, I do think we can say that the Fed's rate policy is affecting certain sectors more than others. Um, so we look at commercial real estate, that's been hit hard. And, and I think it depends on part on the industry. How, how, what are the terms of financing, for example, in agriculture versus like households? So for example, many households took out 30-year mortgages, locked in 3% interest rates in 21, for example, mm -hmm. and they're really resilient. So it, it depends, I think, on the nature of the industry. But I, I do worry, despite the positive picture I painted just a few minutes ago, I, I do worry that at some point these high rates could become a burden, could put us into a weaker state. And, you know, that could lower demand for, for commodities, which in turn could affect, you know, 
cash flows and, and, and profits for farmers. Yeah, and a great point there. And I think I think you're spot on. It just it depends on the industry and and kind of putting things in perspective there. Um your thoughts as well here, David, just overall as we look ahead here through 2024, if we do start to get some of these rate cuts potentially, I mean, you know, are we thinking second half of the year at this point? What are you hearing? in terms of the talk from the Federal Reserve right now? Yeah, definitely second half at best. I mean, I don't think it's completely off the table that we see no rate cuts this year. I know the market's expecting some by June, and I think there's good reasons. You could tell a reasonable story why it should cut by then. But again, I think there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding these forecasts because we don't know two, two things in particular. One, Will inflation actually get all the way down to 2%? And I think that's, that's a huge you know, factor here. And, and again, we can look at like headline CPI. It's gone down from 9% down to close to three, but the Fed wants to go all the way to two. And again, that last mile might be tougher, harder. And the Fed has been very cautious, kind of, you know, again, pushing back market expectations. And then the other thing I, I guess I, I would say is just simply what we noted earlier, if in fact, we are in a new era where we're just the economy is doing better then higher rates will have to be the new normal in that case the fed can't i mean in a world where rates need to be higher just to be stable the fed cutting rates could actually add more juice more stimulus that's unwarranted and unsustainable well david great thoughts uh, i also want to give a plug here real quick before we run out of time i, I believe uh you have a you have, I know you have a great uh, podcast uh, looking at economics. I believe it's called Macro Musings. Is that right, David? That's right. Comes out once a week. Yeah, and I'm sure folks could find that uh, anywhere they get their podcast. Right, David? Correct. Fantastic. Macro Musings. You could find that anywhere you get your podcasts and great stuff. And uh, David, really uh, appreciate the insight here on the show today. Thanks for joining us. We'll have to stay uh, close with you and get you back on the program as we go through the year and uh, see what the Federal Reserve does with their monetary policy and more. But for now, we're out of time. David Beckworth with the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. David, thanks so much for joining us on Agriculture of America. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Coming up next here on AOA, we're going to take a look at news headlines. I mentioned that uh, economic forecast from USDA looking at net farm income dropping over 25% this year. We're going to talk about that. Also, a federal judge has vacated dicamba registrations. That story and more coming up next as we continue here on AOA, Agriculture of America. Times of transition, whether from a sad event or a joyful one, can leave us feeling adrift. Social connections are an important part of a healthy life. Being isolated and lonely can be harmful to your health. It can lead to high blood pressure, a greater risk of heart disease, and early onset dementia. So it's important to build and maintain connections to people, not just in your family, but others whose relationships bring meaning to your life. Trying a new hobby, volunteering, exercising, even using your phone or other device to stay in touch with others. All these can be great ways to keep up your social connections and your physical and mental well-being. 
Visit connecttoeffect.org to see if you're at risk of social isolation and find ways to get connected. Presented by AARP Foundation with support from United Healthcare. Being blind doesn't always look how others may think. Stargard disease was supposed to define me. Retinitis pigmentosa aimed to overwhelm my family. It tried to cut me down. A blinding eye disease attempted to force me away from doing what I was born to do. But it cannot stop me. I have the tools. I will keep moving forward. Pushing past the limits of this disability. I know where to find support and where I can be seen. Great vision doesn't require great sight. Innovative research, educational resources, supportive community. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is leading the charge in finding treatments and cures for blinding diseases. Make your impact today. Donate now at fightingblindness.org. A public service message from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Wheat growers of the North, it's time to push performance to answer the call of Westbred Wheat. With regionally proven varieties like WB9590 and WB9479 with high protein, yield potential, and standability. Trust Westbred Wheat to help you get the most out of every acre. Now's the time. Boldly grow. Seize the season with Westbred Wheat. Performance may vary. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Get the latest bonus interviews, exclusive content, and more with the American Ag Today podcast. Just search for American Ag Today and give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. 
National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA. Well, USDA's Economic Research Service forecasting that U.S. net cash farm income is going to have a large decline this year. They expect net cash farm income to decrease by $42.2 billion or 25.8% to $121.7 billion in 2024 in inflation-adjusted dollars. Now, that's after net farm cash income decreased in 2023 by a forecast of $50.2 billion to $163.9 billion. Net cash farm income is defined as gross cash income minus cash expenses. Net farm income forecast to decrease by $43.1 billion to $116.1 billion from 2023 to 2024. Net farm income is a broader measure of farm sector profitability that incorporates non-cash items, including changes in inventories, economic depreciation, and gross inputted rental income. Now, cash receipts for farm commodities projected to fall by $32.2 billion to $485.5 billion in 2024. Meanwhile, production expenses are expected to increase by $7.2 billion or 1.6%. To $455.1 billion in 2024. Also, total commodity insurance indemnity payments are forecasted to fall by $1.5 billion in 2024, and direct government payments to farmers are projected to fall by $2.2 billion from 2023 levels to $10.2 billion in 2024. Now, Carrie Lakowski, an economist with the Economic Research Service, talks about some of the factors behind the income drop. Cash receipts from crop and animal product sales, which are expected to decrease $21 billion or 4% in 2024. Also, direct government payments are forecast to decrease almost $2 billion or 16%. And total production expenses are forecast to increase almost $17 billion or 4%. Now, Lakowski talks about 2024 farm sector balance sheets. Farm sector assets, debt, and equity are each forecast to increase, with equity forecast to increase 4.7%. We're forecasting that average net cash farm income for farm businesses will decrease 27% in 2024, so about $72,000. And she says medium farm income is predicted to be similar to last year as well. Those households that operate a farm, median total farm household income is forecast to hold relatively steady at $99,445. Again, that's at the median. And again, that's Carrie Lukowski of the Economic Research Service. Once again, USDA predicting a large decline in farm income. Net cash farm income expected to decrease 25.8% this year to $121.7 billion. 
Also, another uh, big story out uh, here this week. A federal judge has vacated the 2020 dicamba registrations by the Environmental Protection Agency. The ruling in the U.S. District Court for the District of Arizona, well, that leaves farmers without options to use dicamba in the upcoming growing season. Affected products include Bayer's Extendimax, BASF's Ingenia, and Syngenta's Tavium. In response, a North Carolina State University extension says, quote, many will panic in response to this news and scramble to switch technology, end quote. Now, the court vacated registrations for over-the-top use of dicamba, ruling that the EPA violated the federal insecticide, fungicide, and rodenticide acts public input requirements before its approval. Now, proponents call the ruling a vital victory for farmers in the environment. The Center for Biological Diversity claims endangered butterflies and bee populations will keep tanking if the EPA keeps twisting itself into a pretzel to approve this product just to appease the pesticide industry, quote unquote. Now, crop protection companies are assessing the situation to find a path forward for dicamba. Now, coming up on our next program, we are going to talk more about that dicamba ruling. We are going to um, be joined by Darren Kopic with the Agricultural Retailers Association. He is going to join us and provide his thoughts on this situation. Uh, again, the dicamba vacature uh, with that court ruling here this week. So it's really a, a big story we're going to be watching here on AOA. The Fertilizer Institute on Wednesday expressed alarm with the Environmental Protection Agency's lowering of the national ambient air quality standards for fine particulate matter. According to TFI, the change is going to lead to permitting gridlock across much of the country, negatively impacting economic growth and fertilizer production. TFI President and CEO Corey Rosenbush says, quote, at a time when the need to strengthen the domestic fertilizer industry has been made clear by multiple ongoing global crises and echoed by the Biden administration, now is not the time to hamstring fertilizer production. The standards have significantly curtailed air pollution nationwide, but a major challenge for industries arises as those levels are progressively lowered. Despite ongoing technological improvements, industries reach a threshold where additional air quality improvements become more and more unfeasible under stricter standards, especially as 84% of current PM 2.5 emissions originate from non-industrial sources. TFI claims that PM 2.5 emissions have declined nearly 40% over the past 20 years and continue to decrease. And House Ag Democrats are stepping up public pressure to get a farm bill done soon based on key Democratic principles. Ag Democrats blame GOP discord and disorder for delaying a farm bill again this year as other legislative disputes in the election year calendar start to close off farm bill prospects. But each side continues to hold fast to long-held bargaining positions. Democrats in a new principles memo say they'll protect SNAP and climate investments. Republicans continue to argue that SNAP and climate savings are needed to boost farm programs. Top House Democrat Hakeem Jeffries argued earlier that the farm bill should be fertile ground for coming together, but he also added. The only problem that we confront now is that the extreme mega Republicans want to hijack the farm bill and to take it in a certain direction, inconsistent with meeting the needs of farmers and the American people. And we will oppose that every step of the way. But House Ag Chair G.T. Thompson argued in December, writing the next farm bill will take significant investment by repurposing Inflation Reduction Act funds and reforming the SNAP program. These ideas have been applauded and demonized, but I will not relent and I will not fail our rural communities, many of whom have suffered insurmountable loss due to variables beyond their control. 
And Thompson called his approach strategic, arguing it would fine-tune the farm safety net and increase the farm bill funding baseline. That's a look at news of agriculture. We're out of time here on AOA. Thanks so much for joining us on the program. Have a great rest of your day. I'm Jesse Allen. And coming up, we will recap the WASDE report on our next AOA. Have a great rest of your day. Every day, our brave military men and women, along with their families, make tremendous sacrifices for our freedom. Patriotic Hearts, a nonprofit organization, is dedicated to supporting these heroes and their families in their times of need. By donating your unwanted car to Patriotic Hearts, you'll be supporting job transition and job fair programs, veteran entrepreneurship, counseling, and retreats for combat veterans and their spouses. Call 800-560-3870. You'll receive a tax deduction and we'll arrange a free pickup at your convenience. Imagine the difference you can make in the lives of those who have given so much for our country. Your car donation will directly impact military families, veterans, providing them with the support they desperately need. Call 800-560-3870. You can become a part of something bigger. Join us in our mission to uplift and honor our military community. Call 800-560-3870 to donate your unwanted card. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. <laughs> Just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. Oh, no, 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 no. So you can have more control. Stop. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning, the cap is loose on that catch-up. Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Prediabetes Awareness Partners.